Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Episode 100 of OutlanderCast is brought to you by Threads of Time. Historically influenced handmade clothing and accessories. So go to threadsoftime.com and use the coupon code OUTLANDER2017. Just one word. No spaces, guys. OUTLANDER2017 through March 2018 to get 10% off your purchase. This isn't about the ways of the world. Young Ian ran away from home. Of course Ian and Jenny want to know where he is. And you just lied. Aye. <laughs> and you should not judge me for it. Have you forgotten about all the deceptions we've colluded in? Yeah, we lied our way through Paris, did we not? Did we not just lie to Ian about where you've been for the past 20 years? A white lie to conceal something that Ian can't possibly understand. Oh, I didn't realize lies had shades. You have no idea what it's like to be a worried parent. You're not the boy's father, Jamie. No. I'm Brianna's father. But I didn't get to raise her, did I? I didn't have a say in how you and Frank brought her up. All the way from Cranston, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Did you guys hear that? Episode 100. Let me say it again. Episode 100. (laughs) I'm interested to know how many of you have listened to all 100. If you have, shoot us an email. Let us know in the clan gathering. Wow. We're here. And you know, I'm so upset because... uh, Today's been a little rough in Cranston, Rhode Island. We had an enormous storm. A lot of New England. Let's put it that way. A huge storm came in and like knocked out power and it's been on and off. So we couldn't do a Facebook Live. So thank you guys for tuning into this. <laughs> uh, we're trying to pull it together when we do have power. So we're, we're, we're recording this like in between moments when the power is on and off. And hoping that it stays on, but, but we're going to cross <laughs> our fingers. So I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And I got to tell you, I'm so disappointed. This was our 100th episode <laughs> for this one, this one. For oh. this episode. Oh, I thought you were meaning about the storm, and I was like, I know. No, no, I, I, no, you just, I just, I wish it was the episode prior. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because, whew, boy, you know, I'm not gonna say search bad, but definitely not a good one. 
definitely not a good oh, one. Wow. Well, my love. Okay. Before I sour everybody, what is your kilt rating for this episode? My kilt rating is um a four point two. Oh, okay. All right, not bad. So you liked it better than you liked of Lost Things. Um. Yeah. So we're we're gonna stick with that metric. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. I, I'll get on board with that. Yeah, I liked it better. Okay. I I would disagree. I did not like it as much as of Lost Things. Okay. So I got to stick with the metric. We we got to stick with the uh, the 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 grade curve, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I gave of Lost Things three point seven. This one I'm giving. Oh, I don't know. I would say a three point five. All right. Which is average. Just average, like average. And when I think about it, that makes sense. So it's a good episode. It's a good. I think that this is the- no. I would say. I would say like good would be four. Oh. Four point two. Okay. Ish. That's good. This is just average. This is like. I got a 70 on a test. Okay. You know what I mean? And like, it doesn't suck, but you shouldn't necessarily be proud of it Well, either. what was your GBG? What was your good from this episode that I, you were like, yeah, that was good? The good was, I mean, I mean, I can kind of encompass this in in the, the buddy comedy between Fergus and young Ian. I could kind of nest it in that. But specifically, what I really liked was the conversation between Fergus and young Ian um, when they're talking about Claire and Ian is asking Fergus about uh, uh, Auntie Claire. Yes. And do you remember her? What was she like? And and Fergus was saying, yeah, I remember her. She was unique. You know, she was special. And I love this conversation because they were referring to her as though she was a myth. She was something that kind of came in their lives and just left. It, it reminded me almost of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. The Force Awakens when Rey is talking about Luke Skywalker and she she looks at Han Solo and she says, you knew Luke Skywalker? <laughs> yes. I, oh my God, that was great. And I got that similar feeling about Claire and, and Young and like the second generation of these Frasers and Murrays and I, I really liked that. Okay. So that was my good. The bad. Uh, you know, this is the second week in a row that I have a tie, uh, which is, Claire saving the guy who just tried to rape her. I think that I I don't think I like that too much. And then the, then the CGI smoke during the fire. Okay. Oh my goodness. That was bad. That like and it wasn't bad the whole time, but when Jamie is touching Ian's face, oh, it was bad. That was bad. It was bad. You like, were like it like it, that one shot was what I I I would say that the rest of the CGI for the fire was good. Yep. That one spot when he's down crouching, like next it to jumped Ian. out at me. Yeah. It jumped out. All right. In the great, it was the argument. I thought it was well written. I thought it was uh, natural. The argument that we got to play a clip of in the beginning of this episode. Right, and that's why yeah. I played it because it felt natural. It felt like. It felt like a, a natural progression from where they started when mm-hmm. they first met with each other, because you can tell that they're still, they're still insecure. Yes. And I like this conversation, my love. How about you? What do you, What do you have? Okay, my good was oh my gosh the um the Doctor Claire. Okay, so even <laughs> though like at first I didn't love that she was saving this guy who just tried to rape her. And I was like, what are you doing? Mm. What are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing? Stop. Mm -hmm. I was like, Jamie, we're both Tauruses. We were like, come on, stop. But 
when Claire said, I've been doing this for 14 years, I've made this promise to help somebody no matter what, no matter who they are. And it makes me want to challenge any of our listeners who are doctors to write in Mm -hmm. and let me know if you've ever had to feel this way. If you've ever had, not that someone like raped you and you'd want to like screw up on their brain, but um, you know, have you ever been like, yes, hands down, like the knee jerk reaction is to help someone in need. And I loved this. And I loved that Claire had to say this to Jamie. You know, of course I enjoyed watching the, the argument between them about, a young Ian, but I actually really liked how she was arguing for the fact that she was a doctor. I didn't like the first time. I loved it the second time. And from then on, because I just felt like, yes, Claire, you are a healer. That is your soul. You want to help people no matter who they are. And um, I liked that. Okay. So my bad was, um, um, Fergus saying, Oh, she doesn't know about your other wife. Mind you, Ian had just been like, oh, you know, uh, Claire, this is going to get pretty awkward. And Jamie's like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. I haven't told her yet, but it's going to be fine. They could have kept it at that. Right. Okay. So you had alluded like, oh, maybe he he's married, like because of Ned Gowan, maybe she's married or he's married to somebody. Um, They just threw that out there. This isn't how it happens in the book. So I did not like this. I think that... You know, I think they were aligning things up that we didn't need Fergus to say, oh, you mean the extra wife? Like, once again, Jamie's like, go home, make sure Ned Gowan's there for the thing we talked about. That matter. Yeah, that matter. Like, had you been a more lazy show watcher, this is Jamie being like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, guys. Okay, this is the third, like, reminding you. And then Fergus is like, ooh, about your wife? (laughs) Your other wife? Wait, because like, like, I feel like I would have been, wait, you didn't even tell her yet? What are you talking about? I wouldn't have been like, you didn't tell her about your other wife? But Claire's right there. <laughs> Why? Well, exactly. Why don't you just be like, oh, she doesn't know about, you know. Wait, how does she not know yet? Yes. Like, you guys had a whole night together. Fergus, who's like, your wife? <laughs> so I was like, what is going on? Good thing she was in doctor mode. And then my bad, uh, oh wait, my great. My great is the Fergus Ian bromance. Right. Bromances are my second favorite romance in <laughs> Outlander. And it's really thanks to the show. Mm-hmm. It's really thanks to the show, whether it's the Jamie Murtaugh bromance or um, the Rupert Angers bromance. And now it's the Fergus Ian bromance. Mm-hmm. My only hope is that they stop calling him young Ian. I was just going to say, can we have commandment number four for this show? Stop calling him young Ian. S- just call him Ian. Okay. Young n- young Ian. And then if you want to refer to the dad, just Wicked say Wicked old Ian. <laughs> okay. Because he looks so old. He reminded me of the Weasley twins when they tried to get into the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. It's like he was like, whoa, hey, Jamie, you look five minutes older. I know. Claire, wow, wow. What moisturizer have you been doing and why did you tell us to eat potatoes? Because yeah. that must have aged us. And then here's Wicked Old Ian. Wicked Old Ian. He so smells that's like gonna, mothballs. That's what we're going to call them. <laughs> Young Ian will just be Ian yep. and his dad will be Wicked Old Ian. We're going we're gonna to buck the trend, if you will. <laughs> that poor so guy. So commandment number four, don't call him Young Ian anymore. I'm done with that. He's had not it. two. Yeah, had it. He's not like like when I used to call our baby like baby Felicity. Yep. I don't now because she's two. Okay. Maybe we can call him Ian Junior. Can we call him Junior? That's 
Ian Jr. would be much better than young Ian. I, I totally agree. Young, it doesn't flow. It doesn't no. doesn't come off the tongue well. It's so awkward. It's like he just kind of kind of had sex. Okay, does that count? That counts. So that he's totally like counts. not a virgin anymore? Not a virgin anymore. Because I always wondered, we're, we're having this conversation, ladies and gents, so I hope that you're ready for this. <laughs> well, well before, quick... before we do that, let's, let's talk, about, let's talk no. about the listeners real quick. No. no, 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 come on. Let's talk about the listeners. I've already said it counts. We'll, we'll talk about it later. I it got counts. no problem. I got, I got no problem talking about I don't it know now. If it counts. Let's, but let's talk about the listeners and then we'll talk I about it. I guess it does. Okay. I guess it counts. All Whatever. right. What, what do you got from the, from the listeners? Veronica Agronov Defoe gave it 4.9 kilts. Fantastic thriller after a pure romance. Her good was clear in her doctor mode. Yes, Veronica. The Campbells and the foreshadowing. Madame Jeanne. Uh, Jean. Yeah, Jean. Or Jean, because that's the uh, French, whole French thing. But that's how I spell my sister's name. So, whatever. Well, my brain, it's, it's French. It's, it's French. Whatever. Just go with it. I call her Jeannie. Just, just go <laughs> with that's it. That's what I call my sister. Madame Jeannie actually <laughs> gained respect for Claire. And, um, Mr. Willoughby. Oh, Mr. Willoughby assisted in the surgery and understood Claire and hints about a complicated relationship status. Okay, the bad was too short says Veronica, and her great was the brothers. Fergus's love advice, and we Ian is perfect. See, we could call him just we Ian. Let's do that. Rather than Ian Jr., he can be we Ian and wicked old Ian. No, I'm going to call him we Ian. That's the problem. I No, because no, it's both W's. Ian we Jr. Ian or wicked old Ian. I like this. We Ian or know. wicked old Ian. I don't Ian. know. I'm, I'm, no. Um... Oh, and she said, sorry for the interruption, you poor chap. Mm-hmm. And the older Ian is everything. A mix of emotions is amazing. She loved the fight, and she approves of Jamie being jealous of Frank and getting all judgy. He said, She said, Claire started it. She had no clue about what young Ian is like, so shush, woman. And last <laughs> but not least, the Batman jump. Hmm. Oh, and the beautiful print shop signs, symbol of our longing and expectations. It's thrown to the ground by the fire, breaking my heart and making me cry. Time to get rid of a couple more old life problems and start a new adventure. Mm-hmm. Pat Jewell gave the rating a 3.2 to maybe 3.5. In other words, average. So slightly above average. Her great was the last scene as they watched the print shop burn. Um, the the close-up on everyone's faces. It was spectacularly lit. The good uh, was we Ian and Fergus, the two men and their banter, close as brothers. The argument with uh, Jamie and Claire felt like a real couple, and she also liked Mr. Willoughby. Her bad was the show seemed very flat. The music tried to bring out highlights, but it fell flat and uh, fell short. And she realized this was going to be a transitional episode, but when the high point is the last 30 to 60 seconds of a 54-minute show, you sh- do feel uh, oh, a little let down. Yes, winner on that one. That's really good. And Paula Schleiss says, I'm going to give this episode three kills. Just way too many writing and character problems this episode. But first, the good. Jamie reassuring Claire that she was the sun coming into his life of shadow. Their first 24 hours, literally 24 hours, have been filled with so much spatting, disagreements, and rush to judgment. I needed a quick reminder that these two people are supposed to be in love. Now the bad. Ugh, who are these two people? Claire seemed plenty out of character this episode. Yes. Well, you got your wish. He's dead. Really? Yes. But taking the cake was Jamie's character, written to be cold and canless toward Ian the Elder. That's another one we can call Ian the Elder instead of wicked old Ian. How's that sound? No? No, okay. No. I'm supposed to believe that Jamie, we have to come to know, would stare at his troubled and frightened father, his brother-in-law and best friend since childhood, and refuse to tell him that his son is safe? 
that he would cut Ian off, take him by the elbow, and all but force him from the building after his long journey to Edinburgh? That he would respond to Claire's disapproval by saying he knows better than young Ian's parents, and that he would that the young lad needs to be what he needs to be is a whiskey smuggler. The realization that Jamie apparently has known for months that young Ian is a runaway, and he couldn't be bothered to send a message to his sister and brother-in-law to end their fear and misery—just ridiculous. But the great Ian the Elder, or Wicked Old Ian, or Ian Senior, or any other name you want to give him. What a brilliant piece of acting, from surprise and genuine joy at seeing Claire, to his expressions of fear and despair for his son, to his concern for Jamie's secret. He flowed through each emotion seamlessly, flawlessly, naturally. Well done, Stephen Cree. Wicked Old. <laughs> Well, the details for this episode is this. The episode title was The Creme de Month. And actually, creme. I... Creme. 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 Whatever. Creme, creme de Month. Creme de Menth. Creme de Menth. I got you. Okay, there we go. I'm not French. I'm from Boston. Yeah. I, I just... I could cre- tell. I look. Creme de Menth. Okay? How's that sound? I got you. I actually looked it up. Creme de Menth. Creme... Cre- Creme de menthe mm-hmm. is a sweet mint-flavored alcoholic beverage. Its flavor primarily derives from a Corsican mint or dried peppermint. And uh, it's colorless. It can be. It's called white. Or it could be green as well, uh, which is actually colored by the mint leaves. Um, and uh, it's it's actually used in a lot of different drinks. So I've just, I'm, I'm surprised at the, uh, at the origin of this drink. I thought everybody should know. I actually quite liked that. This one was written by Karen Campbell. Now, this Karen Campbell is one of the new writers that have been added to the writers' room. Uh, she served actually as a staff writer for that show, Dexter, on Showtime. She actually wrote three episodes in later years of Dexter, so she actually has official writing credit as the writer for those particular episodes. When you're a staff writer, you're just somebody who helps assist the other writers. But she's also written some some real like junky TV. She wrote that she wrote on that show Unforgettable. She wrote on that show Covert Affairs, and she wrote that really weird show Six. Uh, so this is actually her only Outlander episode this season, and she actually also serves on the show as what's called a supervising producer. Now, I know all you nerds out there want to know what supervising producer is, and I'm going to tell you. Mm -hmm. According to the Producers Guild of America, a supervising producer oversees one of more producers in the performance of some or all of their functions on single or multiple projects, either in place or of or subject to the authority of an executive producer. When we get down to the nitty-gritty of film and television production, however, there are countless tasks involved in this challenging but highly rewarded position. I mean, during principal photography or shooting the actual content, supervising producers can either be found in production office or on set working with writers or other producers or staff. They ensure scheduling is on track and budgets are adhered to. They check in with a script supervisor and first assistant director to ensure that all daily reports reflect that the project is on track. And if filming falls behind, the supervising producer nudges whichever departments need adjusting to get things back on track. Huh. And once filming is wrapped or completed, 
editing begins toward the final cut and the end product that goes out to the world. So what we just saw yesterday was the final product. That's what goes out, right? Okay. So during this phase, supervising producers continue the management components and advise an editing process as part of the team of producers. This includes sound, visual, effects, and other editing procedures. And re- uh, records are coalesced, budgets balanced, and final reports go in. And some supervising producers are only involved in this part of the project thoroughly adhering or to aligning with assignments doled out by the executive producers, directors, and other producers. So this woman has a big job on on the show, and she's brand new. They just brought her in for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say this for my bad, which was I, I could tell from the writing of this episode that she's written some junkie TV. And, oh my god! Uh, and oh, you just went there. I, I hope did. She never listens to this podcast episode. Well, listen, uh, Karen, <gasps> oh. Karen, if you listen, and I'm sorry, I, I just I didn't like it. Uh, this one was directed by Norma Bailey again. She did last episode a Malcolm and my boy Steve McNutt. You can listen to him on episode ninety-five uh, uh, for our interview. He did the director of photography work. So, my darling, yeah. Let's get back to your conversation that you wanted to have, which is, does it count? <laughs> yes. In my opinion, it counts. Because the the act was had. <laughs> the act was had. And uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with letting uh, young Ian, I'm sorry, sorry, commandment number four, uh, we- Ian, you know, let, let him have his time. Let him have his day. I'm, I'm fine with that. Okay. How do you want to attack this episode here? I mean, because th- I mean, there's some stuff to say. I don't want to be too negative, but I also I have a lot of great stuff to, that I want to chat about. Right. So, what do you got? What's what's Let's start with some of the good stuff. Well, well, you know, we'll do we'll do a sandwich. We'll do good, and then we'll do some bad, and then we'll do good again. How's that sound? I don't like that at all. <laughs> okay, fine. I love how much Jamie and Claire have changed in these twenty years. In what way? Claire is a doctor, like a full out, I took the promise, pledge, I'm going to help people, doctor. Um, and she's good. And she doesn't lose people. Mm-hmm. And when she does lose people, it rips her to shreds. And I love, you guys need to go back. You know how I, how I love to ask you to go back and see things, just like when Jamie tipped his hat when that um, soldier walked by. The look that she gives Jamie, she gives it to him like twice while she's talking about taking care of uh, the attacker. It's the same look she gave Dr. Joe when he was like, I don't think so, Claire, in the middle of the surgery, like, Claire, I don't think so. And she gave him like, are you flipping kidding me? You're going to question me? You know I'm a genius at this, right? (laughs) You know that this is my jam. This is what I do. I save people. I'm a doctor. Let me do my job. And it's the same look that she gave Jamie. And I just love that, yes, they've been away for 20 years. 14 of those years, she has been an active, amazing doctor and surgeon. And this is one of her biggest calls in life. Mm -hmm. Being with Jamie, yes. But she's been a doctor longer than she's been with Jamie. Oh, right. Well, yeah, 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 yes. So, like, I just really loved that. A, she did it and she stood her ground. Is it it the choice I would have made? Heck no. No. No way, Jose. I've been like, throw him out. Nope. I saw him next to the fire and I was like, is he dead? Can we just like kick him in the fire? I don't really know. What, how does, what do we do with this guy? Come on. Um, 
I, I, I was, I was nodding my head saying, yes, I would be right there with Jamie. I would say he came and attacked you. Let's whatever. But for Claire, the doctor to fight for that and to really see the difference of how long it's been. And then Jamie, um, Mr. Smuggler, Mr. Liar. Yes, he lied in France. Like, I loved how he said that. Like, we lied away through France. I'm sorry, Jamie, you were so- trying to save Scotland. <laughs> like, there's a really big difference to lying to a teenager's parents who are your siblings, okay, who are worried, sick about him versus trying to stop the Scottish rebellion from happening. <laughs> there's a big difference. So don't throw around, oh, we lied a lot in France. Yeah, you did, okay? I'm sorry you don't know what a white lie is. Claire will teach you. Well, he doesn't realize that they have shades. That's the problem. He doesn't. He doesn't. (laughs) But I love how this is a Jamie that I wouldn't have expected to see. Uh, I just feel like Jamie was incredibly wholesome and um, was super, super lovey-dovey. And even it was something that I didn't love in this episode. I expected him to be a little bit more tender with Claire. Like they had just had an amazing night of lots of sex and an amazing reunion. And then he comes back and she's attacked and the situation unfurls the way that it did. But it wasn't like... Claire, I really don't want you to go by yourself. I love you. I just got you back. Like, mm-hmm. it was kind of like business. Like, all right, listen, the situation's kind of crazy right now. You're stubborn as ever. So that to me was a change, Jamie, and I'm okay with it. I'm right. okay with it. He has been through hell and back, and I think the tenderness will come back. She just came back yesterday. It's a lot for him to soak in, I think. Yeah, he's probably still pinching himself like, is this a dream? What do I do with the whiskey? Oh, gosh. She wants me to leave my, like, man cave. I worked hard decorating this man cave, okay? (laughs) I like it here. I don't have to pay. And there's always a warm meal, okay? (laughs) People mind their business. And now she wants to get a new home. There's a couple of things that I actually agree with you on this. Um, I was a little taken aback by Jamie's non-reaction to when he walks into the room, sees a dead body, and he's like, he's not like, hey, are you all right? Is everything okay? What the hell happened? Like, what's going on? He's just like, all right, there's a dead body. He took the, he carefully, kindly brushed his hand down her hand and took the knife out of her shaking hand. He was tender there and careful. No, I know, but just, I wish there was a little bit more from him the heroic Here. Jamie that we would have seen right. in previous seasons. Yes. But the thing that I, I kind of disagree with you on is I do see Jamie be tender. I do see him be like, and he tells her, you you, you came back and the sun lit up oh, the shadows. Yes. Like that yes. is, that's lovey-dovey Jamie. Yes. And I would also say that the argument that happened, which I was mm-hmm. a big fan of, mm-hmm. Jamie was being very nice to her. And he was saying, yeah, you know, I did this. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't judge me because, you know, we did all, we did do all these things and we are lying here. And this is the beauty of actual arguments. And this is where the writing actually finally coalesced for me was this argument. Because they're both right and they're both wrong. What I mean by that is he they are lying. Jamie is right. They are lying. They just lied to to wicked old Ian about where, where Claire was from. They've been yes. lying to everybody. Yes. And yes, it is a white lie, but they're lying nonetheless. Claire, however, is right 
in that it is a white lie. And come on, relax. But as most arguments are tend or tend to do, they cross a line a little bit. And who crossed it first? Oh, Claire. Right. Claire, definitely. How? And how I don't think she, she meant it? to. I don't think she meant to. But she, the whole tenor of the conversation. I shouldn't have said right because I don't know if I. I think she did. Well, uh, well, let me finish. Yeah. Let me say. Let me say what I have to say, and then maybe you'll agree with me. The whole tenor of the conversation changed when she said. You're not the boy's father. You don't know what it's like to be a worried parent. Mm-hmm. That is really not sensitive, and that is patently wrong. He is a worried parent, and he's a worried parent on multiple levels. <laughs> okay, no, she's not this. He he is not this the same kind of worried parent that Claire was for Brianna, but he still worries about Willie. He's still worried about Claire. Yeah. He's still worried about Brianna. He does have a life. He does know what it's like to be a parent, just in a different way. For her to minimize that, for her to say, you don't know what it's like, uh, that is not fair of Claire. That That is not. And, and that is when everything changed. And you can tell that Jamie is very sensitive about it being a parent he is very sensitive last episode bringing up faith uh at the end of this episode the only thing that he takes out of that fire the only thing from which he actually built around this life Mm -hmm. is that print shop the only thing he takes is a picture of willie the only thing and of course he saves you know young ian i get it but he is sensitive about about parenting and does he go a little too far talking about Frank and does it seem a little bit out of character for, for him to be like, well, did you fall in love with Frank after you came back and blow? Yeah. And that's when, that's when Jamie goes over the line a little bit because now he's calling into question why Claire's even there and you loved him. It's like, it's almost like, like teen angst almost that he's, he's suffering from (laughs) about Frank here. Uh, because now the, his true feelings, even though it seemed all lovey-dovey at first, which I, I get, it it makes sense. But now the insecurities are coming out, which is why this, which is why the argument works. Uh, he, Jamie is still bothered by Frank, and he does miss the chance to raise not only Faith but Brianna. And of course, and and and, and he is right, but Claire is also right because. Bro, that's your nephew. You're mm-hmm. you're not telling your family the truth. Why won't you do that? And that's why this is this, again. It's why it works because yes, the relationship is there between Claire and Jamie, but that relationship it requires a, a lot of um, work, and it's not. They've been gone. They've been missing for twenty years. They have their own lives. Jamie, regardless of whatever Claire thinks, he's proud of the life that he has made. And none of that is any more evident of when he's looking at the print shop burned to ashes mm-hmm. and he looks at it longingly like, my life's over, the one that I created. So now that I've stated my case, my darling, do you still agree with me or do you disagree with me rather that Claire cross the line a little bit by bringing up the fact that 
he's not the father and he's not, he's not a worried father. He doesn't know what it's like to be a worried father. I think she crossed the line when she said, I'll have you know Frank was a wonderful father to Brie. That's when I think she crossed the line. Okay. Because it's true. Like, when you need to, when you do need to fight with someone, when you do need to have a disagreement, you do need to say the truth sometimes. And for her to say, listen, you don't get it, okay? You've never been in these shoes of a worried parent, especially for a teenager, my God. (laughs) You know? And so... Should she have said it in a nicer way? Maybe. But on the flip side, come on, Jamie. Like, re- like it is dumb. We, I, Hopefully we can all be like, yes, it is wrong. Jamie should not be like letting Ian hang out with him and ly- lying to Jenny and Ian who are worried flipping sick. Like, we all know that, that, that Jamie's in the wrong, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yes, Ian's run away and he's done it twice and he's already come to him. Stop it, Jamie. Then say no, Ian. Stop running away, please. <laughs> Wait a couple years or who knows what, but stop running to me. Yes, he could be on the street, whatever. I think Claire crossed the line when she said Frank was a wonderful father. But that's, but that's true. Like that, That's not crossing a line. Why did she need to say that? Um, I think it's a, a retort to what? Because he was saying you and Frank let her wear that bikini. Right. You know, whores have better. But it's not like Jamie was being like, oh, that Frank was a bad dad. He let her daughter, his daughter walk around. No, he said you and Frank. You know, he was just saying you guys let her walk around in a bikini. Um, and then she throws in that Frank was a wonderful father. And that, you know what that is, guys? That's when your honey says, oh, my ex was so nice. He would bring me flowers. Or he would <laughs> he would do this or that, and it's like, what the hell? Why is this even in the conversation? Well, you know, it's funny because I don't necessarily blame Claire for bringing Frank up because Jamie was the one who who brought it up in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're gonna go there, then don't don't tell me that it's it's almost like she's defending Frank, even though she doesn't want to, but she does yes. have to recognize the fact that. He was a good father regardless. Regardless of however she felt about him, he was a good father. Listen, everyone's just a little touchy. This all just happened yesterday. <laughs> She's obviously jet-lagged. He doesn't know what's going on. He's stuck between a rock and a hard place with all these issues that he never imagined he'd be in. Mm-hmm. This poor couple, and I loved this argument. I, I just I, loved, I loved it. it. I thought it was great. Because I was like, yes for sex and yes for fights. You guys are a real couple. I, I just was actually doing uh, Blake's book club. And the chapter I just read and did the book club about was chapter 21, where Claire gets rescued from Fort William. And it's, you know, the Blackjack Randall thing. Mm-hmm. You know you know me. Uh, hashtag love Blackjack Randall, okay? Mm-hmm. But I loved it. It was by, by far my favorite chapter because... They got into a rip, roaring fight. Yeah. And on the book club, well, I'll I'll give you um, a watered down version. On the book club, it was I liked the chapter because it was the first time I actually had a chance to relate to Jamie in any way. He did. He, he they got into a big argument, and it felt real. It felt like this is something that would really happen to. And I, I get into further detail of of why and whatever, but. This is the one part where I think the the writing for the episode was was really tremendous. And, uh, you know, one of the listeners earlier said, you know, it's it's kind of tough, you know, in a 54 minute episode <laughs> that the the last, you know, five minutes is the only really engaging part of the episode. And 
And I think I, I would kind of have to agree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was some stuff happening. Yes, I did love the buddy comedy between Fergus and young Ian. I did love to get a chance to know more about them. Uh, you get you get a, a clear indication of what Fergus is. He's a, he's a, kind of a ladies' man. He's he had a menage a trois the first time he got it on. Um, you know, you get a chance to discover who young Ian is. That they're they're both bartering. They they both want to make money. Like, getting a chance to know them was great. But everything else, not a fan. Just it felt like this is this is the first episode of this season where I felt like I was watching just another show. Yeah, you know, just just another show. Okay. It's not not Outlander, but just something else. I'm not sure how else to put it. To put it, you know what I mean? Like every time Outlander comes on, it feels special. Like I feel like I'm watching a high end, expertly written, expertly shot, expertly lit, just an expert level show. But then you have the other shows. You're kind of like, eh, they're okay, but you know, they they pass the time. And that's how I felt while watching this episode. Like I wasn't bored. But no, I just, not at all. I just wasn't like, okay. That that's kind of how I felt about it. Um, and, and I think I felt I felt that way because it, they were moving a hundred million miles an hour in this episode, as they frequently do in Outlander. Yeah, but this season so far, it has been so exceptional. And I've said this multiple times because they've taken the time to be mm-hmm. still, to sit with the characters, to let them breathe, to, you know, going from Jamie's, <laughs> Jamie's, uh, le- uh, let me be, or I'm in pain, or whatever it is, oh, to, <laughs> to Claire, you know, walking over. Let me be. Take their time with that. Uh, they take their time with other portions of this, of the season. And now all of a sudden, I, I mean, just think of this. We the, the episodes opens up with the attempted rape. Then we have Jamie walking in. Then we find out that Percival's the, there. Percival's there, and then they're going to be doing the casks. And then we got to get the medicine. Uh, before we do that, then we got to get the medicine. Before we do that, then we got to get to selling the casks. And then after we do that, then we got to get to young Ian having sex. And then after that, then we got to get the into Campbell's. the fight. And then and then after that, then we got to um. Before we, before all of that, then we got to get into Jamie's fight, and then after that, then we got to get into the thing burning down because of the fight. It's like you, you can't breathe. It, what are we doing? It, it a lot happened in this episode. It, I it's, agree. It's ten pounds of uh, ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag. Okay, I'll tell you this. I think they had to. I think they had to, and I feel like this is how this part of the book felt. Where you're like, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, uh, you know what? The wheel is turning, and I'm I'm just going along for the ride. I'm stuck in a hamster wheel. Oh my god, it keeps going. Okay, <laughs> and then it slows down a little bit. Yep. Um, it just it felt <sighs> felt lazy. Oh, I don't know. I just felt lazy to me. Okay, well, I'm gonna switch gears. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed it. So, um, one thing I will say, I really love the fact that Claire. Is referring to Mr. Willoughby as E. Tencho. She only calls him by that name because she respects him in that way. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. Because I, 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 it's his name. I know, but it, but everybody else calls him Mr. Willoughby, which makes sense because that's what he you mm-hmm. know is, is given. That's the name they they you know anglicize the names. But she she doesn't do that. I think that's a really special thing that Claire does. How did you feel about the Campbells and eating lots of fruit? We are. Definitely going to see them again. 
there is no chance that they don't show up again. <laughs> they they are totally going to show up again. Yeah. There's just no reason for them to be there otherwise in such a jam-packed episode. Yeah, and and even then like just the surgery and the the tax man and 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 then the Campbells, it all felt like it all felt like it was plot 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 that I'm I'm jamming myself in. Why did the surgery feel here. like plot? The surgery to me was disgusting. Like why did it take so long? It felt it, to me a skull crack is something that I do not need. To me, it felt contrived, and, and I'll say <laughs> I'll say it felt contrived because one instant I know she's defending herself, and I yeah. I can appreciate that. But one instant she's taking this knife and she's waving it around, she's stabbing the guy. Yeah, ready to kill him. Ready to gonna kill him. Gun if she had the chance was gonna kill him. <laughs> You're right. I didn't even think about it. And this. then the guy falls, hits his head. Okay, get it. Now I gotta save him, uh, and then and then it leads to this tension between she and Jamie, which only leads to more tension for the argument later on. Because you could tell throughout the episode after this little surgery thing, there was you know, um, there was there 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 is clearly something not. I kind of wanted her to save him so that she would turn to Jamie and be like, and then we'll torture him like Jack Bauer. I know. Then we're going to find out. like Everything. I can. I, I could get up. If she said, I'm going to save him because I need this information, like Jack Bauer, mm-hmm. I'll, I can get on board with that because that, there's a purpose. There's, And then I know some people are going to say, well, the purpose is that she's a doctor and she can't. She needs to save lives. I get it. But I it think just, that they needed to, re- I'm going to tell you this. I think they needed to reaffirm with you for the season. Mm-hmm. We're talking about how the Campbells are going to show up. If they spent so much time on this surgery, we need to know that Claire is willing to help various patients with ailments and that it is truly her calling. I would agree with you on that one. But I feel like they could get by with that with the Campbells. Like... uh, you could you could make that argument that she is there and like I liked how she was like Jamie we could have our own lives here you could do the print shop thing and in the back I can have I can be a healer like we can we can create our own lives here that makes sense to me but I don't know I just felt it was contrived it, it was contrived to get this guy in there and what are they going to do with the body and like obviously now we're going to put him in the creme de menthe um, and that's going to be a that's going to be a shit show when that gets discovered. Literally, you know, <laughs> because it's going to be so gross. because Ian and and Fergus sold the creme de menthe finally, and when they and why would Jamie put him in a ca- like? Oh my god, why not? It's a great place to hide someone. <sighs> Where else is he going to hide dump him? him? Dump him in the bay or something. I don't Dude, know. It's a long walk with a dead body. Do it at night. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just... Eh, I think it's totally great. I think it's fine that he put him in the creme de menthe. I would have done the same thing. Uh, what's that going to... I don't know. I just... This this whole... Where uh, else would you have put him? Seriously. Where else would you have put that body? I don't know. That's not for me. I'm not the writer. <laughs> no. I know. I'm just saying. You're in a brothel. You're surrounded by soldiers you're surrounded by people who are trying to search after you right. you have to get rid of all these casks your wife is is doing crazy things right now you i don't even know what's going on there's too many things going on too many people showing up this breath uh, no I, I think you're probably right putting him i mean it, it also makes sense because the alcohol does stay the uh the the deco- the decomposition process yeah, it's not stinky i i, I get it I think it's brilliant. Per- perhaps then take that cask and move it as soon as you can. They did. But they didn't because 
There are no they casks sold in it. the basement. They, yeah. they sold it. Yeah. So it's going to be a shit show when it's discovered that this guy is in there. It's going to be a problem, you know? Uh, and, oh, I don't know. It's just going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue coming down the line. We're going to take a quick break to tell you a little bit about today's sponsor. So we wanted to remind you guys that this episode uh, is brought to you by Threads of Time, which uh, is a clothing store that makes historically influenced clothing. You can actually order online or even contact Louisa, the owner, for custom work. They specialize in making clothing that fits you and your needs. From historically accurate to modern comfort and everywhere in between. Recreations of the costumes you might see on Outlander or something entirely different to celebrate your Scottish heritage. I mean, say you go out there and, and you, you're, you like for us, we go to uh, King Richard's Fair. Yeah, and we the go Renaissance there Fair. with the Renaissance Fair, or we go. You can go to outlander events, or if you're a LARPer, you know maybe maybe you're a LARPer. And you're, you're into that stuff, or you're into Outlander events. We went to the Outlander Boston one, and of course, I was the only jabroni that wasn't dressed up. I could have used threads of time to go back there and have myself a good pirate costume. And what I love is that it can be like specifically made for you so you can have it with the modern comfort. I mean, think about it. You could have a really cool uh, holiday outfit yeah, made. You, you could have a bodice like with a, a zipper. Yes. All the zippers. So, all the zippers. Uh, I love this. I love this so much. So whether you have a Scottish heritage or you just love Scotland, guys, this is the place to check out. So make sure you go to their website, or again, feel free to contact Louisa, the owner. She's amazing. She's fantastic. You can talk, contact her about a custom piece or anything that you think that would be Outlander-related. Just go to threadsoftime.com, and she'll take care of you. All right, my love. I have to talk about the fire. All right, let's 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 talk about the fire. Did you, did you like it? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, um... <sighs> I, it's Fire Safety Month in October. <laughs> Do you guys know this? That it's Fire Safety Month. I am glad this episode came out when it did. Make sure your families all have an escape plan. You have two ways to leave, okay? And the number one rule that you teach children is when there's a fire, you don't hide. You get outside. Mm-hmm. You get outside. <laughs> so Ian's like stomping on that little piece of fire, and I'm like, go outside, honey. Go outside. Outside. Nope. Don't go back in the little corner. Nope. So someone didn't teach we, Ian, fire safety. (laughs) Jamie, for all of his goodness, did not teach him that. When Jamie comes in to save the day, he had so much flipping time, Mm -hmm. I could not handle it. Did I like that he saved the picture of Willie? Yes. Moves the printing press or that big piece of furniture. Mm -hmm. Holy smokes. Why are you not coughing? Why are you not coughing? Right. I can't handle the fact that Jamie never coughs when he's in an inflamed building. He coughs a little bit once he's out. Oh, he was like, <clears throat> that's it. Yeah, I totally That's it. Agree. And then he was like, all right, Fergus, let's chat like nothing's wrong. You know, like, what is going... <laughs> nope, you needed a little bit more fire in that mouth. Um, he just, he had a hell of a lot of time. And then you got to see strong, big Jamie. Mm-hmm. Pick up Wee Ian over his shoulder, climb up on the piece of furniture, go out a window or something, come out the back door, mm-hmm. still carrying him, not coughing really that much. I loved I loved to see the strong Jamie, who twenty years older 
and still kick butt. Totally agree with this on, on with you on this one. I love seeing him being able to pick the kid up, go up the thing, and and drop him back off. However, I did take some issue with the direction of this part. And, you know, Norman Bailey did an amazing job with A. Malcolm. I thought it was fantastic. But I felt that the direction for this portion, the fire portion, was a little confusing and subpar in my opinion. And one of the things that you that you look for in direction, especially when it comes to action, is geography. You need to know where you are. Oh, I had no flipping clue where I was. Right. And, and, maybe, and maybe that's part of what they were trying to accomplish. It's a fire. Things are hectic. It's, you know, handheld cameras. That you're going in, in and around. Like, that jump. That jump. The jump to me, the Batman jump, corny as hell. He has the superhero landing on in one knee, you know, and the hand lands and the other hand is up and like. Oh, that's a superhero that, landing? That's a superhero. Like, they, I thought that's how you don't break a leg. They even make fun of it on Deadpool. Like every superhero, watch every single superhero or anytime someone jumps a long distance, yeah. lands that way every time. Well, I really want to know if it's because you can disperse the pressure so you don't break a bone. I don't know. I think it just looks stylistically fantastic. It does look good, but it's... With his scarf, like that huge blanket <laughs> flying to make it look like a cape. Is that what you're getting at? But it just, it just felt like a superhero jump and it felt like a superhero landing and... You know, I like it, it that. Is, it is what it is. I, I felt it was cheesy. He was a hero. It was cheesy, in my opinion. And then the direction of this, like when Ian is, you know, hiding. I didn't know where. The, I thought he was outside watching Ian? the thing. Yeah, thing burn. No. But then I realized he was inside because <laughs> I couldn't tell the geography of where this kid was. And oh. I couldn't tell the geography of where Jamie was in relation to him. I thought when he jumped, that's where Claire saw him. When Claire was up and she was like, it's not Jody. It's me. That Claire. might that might be the case. That's how I felt because it was like an up high thing. Um, I saw. I I knew he was inside. Right. You know, I, like I didn't know he was. I didn't know Jordy. I'm um, Jordy. Damn God. Damn, we Ian. We Ian was inside. I thought he was out because he was looking through a window. Jordy's at his orgy. I know <laughs> with his goiter. Um. So I thought the direction was off. The other thing I didn't really like was when they were finally. Um. Getting we Ian out, they kept on cutting to the, the the top of the staircase. Yeah, and I felt like to me that was so confused. I, no, and I understand what they're, they're trying to build tension, but there was nothing to be tense about. It's a fire, you know, things may collapse. It's like they they show they show Jamie he's inside and then yeah. they then they show the shot of the the canopy and then it's Jamie coming out of the window and then the canopy and then Jamie walking down and then the canopy like it was so it was it was either shot or edited very poorly yeah. in my opinion okay i can get behind it that it took me I out was, of the rescue yeah i'm like why am i watching this thing burn and don't get me wrong the burning process was great i love seeing the whole thing go up in yes. flames i thought it was great so then you have that emotional moment of Jamie's rescue and then it jumps you right into this conversation with Fergus. And then it jumps you into Jamie looking at this print shop longingly. And it it, it deflates all of the emotionality out of this whole scene. Never mind the fact, in my opinion, we didn't get a chance to spend enough time in the print shop for me to really care about it. I mean, I cared about it because Jamie cared about it. 
But I did. I saw him operating it for three and a half seconds, which is fine. But I, I didn't see. I, I just don't think we had enough time to spend in the print shop to be like, oh man, that sucks. Like I'm really hurt that the print shop burned. Like it sucked to see the sign down on the ground. I, I agree. But th- there was no the, the emotionality of it was definitely sucked out because of the whole conversation with Fergus. Even if we had more time, I still think it would have been rough for me. So I felt the direction was off at this in this portion. I felt like Norma Bailey didn't didn't do, didn't give us any justice. But aside from that, I really feel like there was some really great things about this episode, namely the argument. I felt that was a good natural progression for Jamie and Claire, and I feel like it 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 gives us a great setup for what's to come between the two. Because you can't just have them both be lovey-dovey, happy, perfect after 20 years of being apart together. They have their own lives. And, and they have certain both, expectations of each other. They're both strong-willed people, too. Right. So this that that right there is a perfect setup for some conflict that we're g- definitely going to get. Can you handle this? Like, like it hasn't even hit the fan yet. You know what's going to happen because of Fergus and his big mouth. Right. And this is why I'm so appreciative of the fact that we got this argument. Mm-hmm. Because it's just laying the groundwork. How do you think things are going to go when uh, they head on home to Lollybrock and she gets to see Jenny? Oh, I think Jenny's going to be... I think Jenny will have the same reaction that, that wicked old Ian had. Oh my gosh, when he said, we mourned you oh, for years. Oh, no. It, it, Stephen Cree, I got to give him credit, did an amazing job. He did. L- loved watching it. Was so, it felt so good to watch. And, and did you notice like... How he walked, it was even just a little bit more exaggerated. Yeah. The movement and the kind of pain that he, that he was in. Mm-hmm. You know, he's probably got some arthritis in there now. You know, he's he's wicked old now. You know? <laughs> he's not actually wicked old. We're all just joking, guys. I think he's like my age. But and, then, uh, <laughs> and he's talking to Claire and, and then we have that. He just looked so old compared to Jamie and Claire. <laughs> he looked so old compared to them. And then we had that one great moment where... He has the one tear come down as he's talking to Claire. Ugh. Oh All man, these one tears. I can't. Just Stephen Cree, what was great, and I and I. That's when I I truly felt bad for him. You know, as he's walking back to the room, and James like, yeah, it's gonna be fine. I feel like I've always felt bad for Ian, <laughs> except when he had, when he had to go to prison. Oh that's my god, when he was in Goodfellas. Oh my god, he had so much fun. He was All on a the cruise. <laughs> it was like he was going to beaches, a beaches resort, <laughs> sandals. Bye, kids. <laughs> Mimosa's at 11. Mom, Ciao. <laughs> Jenny's oh. going to have to raise all 18 of you for a little bit. Uh-oh. Jane, Jenny's in her third trimester. I think I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> Come back in five months. <laughs> He's going to sail away on the Block Island Ferry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. So, there's no Kendra Thought of the Week right now. We'll not, have it for you for on episode. the second episode of this week. Correct. Um, just, you know, tech probs and weather and all this great stuff. And but hashtag mom probs. And mom probs too. Um, but it's time for the outlandish theory of the week. So this outlandish theory of the week is brought to you by Celtic Eternity. Please visit CelticEternity.com and get 10% off Celtic and Scottish rings with the coupon code Outlander. Cast eight. If you get one of those rings, you can put it with threads of time. You got your ring, you got your threads, all 10% off. Boom. No problem. Instant Claire. Just let them know that we sent you. So, ready for the Outlandish Theory of the Week? Yep. Now, I haven't talked a whole ton about Sir Percival. 
And I haven't talked a ton about them because this is part of my outlandish theory of the week. He will get the papers that the one-eyed dude, the, the, the old-eye guy, will bring to him that were taken from the print shop, which, you know, plot convenience, whatever. It is what it is. But Jamie made a mention. He's like, ah, the guy doesn't know me. He only knows me as A. Malcolm from Edinburgh. Okay. He won't, he won't know to track me. But my opinion is, of course he's going to know to track you. Because he's got all these guys. He sent the, the he sent the one dude to the apartment. He sent the old eye guy to 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 find him. Sent bald guy to the okay yes. Sent the bald guy and then and, and then, then and then eye one guy. eye guy yeah eye guy sent eye guy over to him. You know he's got like other guys. He's probably got one arm guy. He's probably got like a half a leg guy. You know he's he's, he's probably got, got no nose guy. <laughs> He's got guys. Mohawk guy. I guarantee you there's more guys and there's going to be more guys following not only Jamie, but Fergus and young Ian. He's in on all of them now, especially now that he's going to get all this money to turn in a Malcolm. All right. Because acts of sedition gets you a king's ransom, literally. All right. Because of that, because Jamie said he ain't going to track me. Mm mm. They're going to track him back to Lallybrock. Definitely on the way. And then one of the other things that really popped up to me, too, was the fact that Jamie's like, nah, that his parents don't know what's good for, for young Ian. He's, it's, it's better that he's with his uncle than anybody else, you know, on the streets of Dundee or wherever. My thing is, um, I would say now more than ever, I am convinced Young Ian <laughs> is in trouble. Something, we Ian. Something, yes, right, commandment number four. Can't say young Ian. We Ian is in trouble now more than ever. And I guarantee you, somehow, some way, this guy is going to end up taking young Ian. And then it's all going to connect because he is the wealthy customer that the Campbells have and that he is taking, he's going to the West Indies and he's going to take we Ian to the West Indies, which is going to propel the story forward. And Jamie is going to go have to rescue young Ian. Sorry. Commandment number four. We Ian, because he has guilt over not telling Jenny and wicked old Ian where he was. And he's the one who screwed up the whole thing. Boom. There it is. That's the rest of the story. You know what? I, I'm just, I, I, I've decided. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to press the button right now. I'm already ringing the bell. Already, that, that is the damn... St- I, I just know it. I just know it. Can you give me an interesting? Interesting. Interesting like interesting, interesting that sucks or interesting like interesting? Just interesting. <sighs> well, Charlie, what do you got for me? Mock me. Please hang up and try again. That's it, my love. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. I'm ready to move on from this episode. Not my fave. Not my fave. Not my fave. But I like it better because at least I'm with Jamie and Claire. At least I'm in Scotland. We're back there, which is good. I'm I happy prefer about Scotland that. over Boston. So that's kind of the reason I'm happy being there because I'm like, all right, this right. is where I want to be. Let's just move things along. So excited. How about you? I look forward 
to when Claire finds out that it's leg hair <laughs> that Jamie is married to. I that was one of my other outlandish theories of the week. Mm-hmm. I, I should ring the bell for that one too, but I'm I'm not gonna. But I look forward to seeing her reaction and what the deal is and how she's gonna how that's all kind of how go she's gonna handle something. And I look forward to seeing how their relationship kind of devolves a little bit because of this and how because of this argument, this this insecurity between both of them. I look forward to this arc because it has to get bad before it gets good again, hmm. in my opinion. And we're already more than halfway through the season. Yeah. And I, this this next episode, remember, I talked to you at the beginning of the season about uh, about four episode arcs. Yep. So the first four episodes was the first arc of Lost Things concluded that arc. The fifth episode began this new arc and the next episode will close out this yeah. current arc we're in. Yep. And then after that, that will then go to the next episode, to the, to the next arc. Mm-hmm. So that's how I feel. That, that's how I feel what's happening. So I'm looking forward to closing this one out and getting on with the rest of the story. Okay. So I'm happy about that. Good. You ready to close it out, my darling? Yes. Let's do it. Wanted to take a little moment to let you know that I am hitting the road in November. I'm heading to Maryland, guys, <laughs> and I want you to come on and meet up with me. I'm going to be in Bel Air, Maryland. Didn't even know there was a place. West Philadelphia, born and raised. I don't even know. But on the playground like, is where you spent most of your days. It's like near Baltimore. Chilling and maxing, and relaxing, and all cool. Washington, D.C. You're just shooting some b-ball outside of school. Like in between Washington, D.C. and Philly. Met a couple of guys. They were up to no good. So if that sounds like an area kind of near you. Started making trouble in your neighborhood. And if you want to hang out with me. You got one little fight. Your mom got scared. I'm going to be going to the Artifacts of Outlander. She said your movie with Auntie and Uncle Isabella. You're cut off. You are cut <laughs> off. I love you I dearly. tried. I really tried. Saturday, November 11th, 3.30 p.m. We're going to be meeting at the, uh, there's a library there. I'm trying to pull up its name, but we're going to be looking at the artifacts of Outlander. It's an exhibit based upon these books uh, at the Bel Air Library. Very excited about it. It's going to include 18th central um, century colonial era artifacts Hi-oh. that you can compare to the Outlander television series and stars. Lots of great things. And then after that, we are going to be going out for some some meetup time and have a dram and a little dish. You're going to listen. You're going to whistle for a cab when it comes near. Oh my God. Stop the license plate's going to say so fresh and add can, dice in the mirror. You can join us for one or both of these events. Uh, super excited. I hope any of you who are in the area, once again, that is Saturday, November 11th. I cannot wait to see those of you who live in that area. Um, and also, we wanted to remind you that we are having a giveaway each week. I don't know what the giveaway is for this week, unfortunately. Oh, well, we will know very soon. Yes. We will put it up By the on... time this podcast actually goes up, yes. we will know, once again, tech props, but we've got this covered. So hey, Listen, we were just lucky to make through the power outages in really this episode. I am really happy that we were able to weather the storm. So, really excited. Thank you guys so much. We did meet our 200 patron level, a patron amount for this 100th episode. I am thrilled. I am like my heart is so incredibly warmed and of right. course I always want to give a huge shout out to those patrons who are at our highest levels um, Peg Ann and Bobby 
Thank you. You're going to be hearing those three on an upcoming podcast soon. Lisa, Meredith, Amy, Christina, Sue, Keelan, Meredith, Liz, Dana, and Nikki. You might be hearing some of their voices. Intro the show. And of course, Michelle, Tara, Jennifer, Lauren, Heather, and Marilyn. Thank you. Thank you all so much. And those of you who I didn't mention, you still rack my socks. Thank you. All right, guys. We actually, we have a couple of more announcements about Patreon. Uh, one was we have a new goal. We have a new goal of $1,600. That is for you to decide our next podcast once Outlander this season has finally uh, ended. And Droughtlander we, we begins. Will, once Droughtlander begins, you will decide the next podcast that we do. It's entirely up to you as long as we get to that $1,600 mark. Also, if you become a $10 patron, you get 10% off of all of Minute with Mary products. That's right. You just have to message me. Right. Okay, you have to message me on Facebook so I can hook that up. But anyone who is the $10, that's the Sassanok level. The and up, 10 and up. up. 10 and up. You get to have 10% off your order at MinuteWithMary.com. So that is pretty exceptional. Yes. So thank you so much. Until next time, ladies and gents, I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. The hundredth episode. Hundred episodes. Can you imagine Yay. that? Hey, give yourself a pat on the back. I'm just listening. You know, just thank you. Good clapping right there. You know, it's I just love it. Hundred freaking episodes. If you told me that when we were podcasting in my dining room, I never would have thought that ever. Yeah, here we are. Here we are in our own studio. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks.